As you know, Sharp Football Analysis is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. NFL playoff and college football bowl packages are coming and will be available starting Monday, November 21st. Visit sharpfootballanalysis.com to take advantage of Warren's lifetime NFL playoffs record, which hits at a 64% clip, and we're throwing in special benefit this year for all fantasy content will be free for subscribers throughout the playoffs. Get it all Monday, December 21st at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here as always, Rich Rebar, TA, team over here at Sharp Football Analysis, guys. It's week 15 now. We're, we're almost there. It's so close. Surprised we made it so far. Uh, and it feels like it's kind of... At one point, it feels like the season kind of started recently, but also like it feels like it's been going on forever. So as uh, we head into week 15, how's everybody doing? Good, man. It's, you know, there's so little left, but, you know, coming off of Monday night, uh, I don't know how we're we're going to, you know, have something top what happened, uh, you know, in that Browns-Ravens game in terms of actual, you know, play, points, the stakes the Ravens had to win, and then the social aspect of what happened during that game of just having to be on, you know, social media and having to watch every play and just being kind of everyone being involved in that game. I just don't know if we'll have another game like that the rest of this season. Uh, it it might have been a high point for us. I don't know how we come down still from that. Well, look, as a lifetime uh, <laughs> Cleveland fan in all sports, that's what we do. We we produce, like, just outrageous results and outrageous outcomes. And so stuff like that. I mean, look, you're talking about a Browns, uh, a Browns team that a handful of years ago uh, on Monday night, lost on a walk-off blocked field goal for a touchdown against the Ravens. Like, this is just the stuff that happens in Browns games. So it was a, a tremendous game. It was just – it was awesome on all levels. And, um, you know, as a fan, it, it sucked that they lost. But, you know, they're still in really good uh, shot to make the playoffs. So I was okay with it. But here we are in the last couple of weeks. And uh, for me, it's keeping an eye on uh, a lot of these injury reports. I mean, teams that are out of it. Uh, you never know who's going to sit, who's going to play. So keep an eye on that. We put together a, a great injury report every Friday and Saturday. Um, so that's going to be important. And then keeping an eye on these teams that, you know, again, are out of it pl- playing teams that you know are in must win situations to, to make the playoffs. You know, normally we see uh, that, you know, the public really, really hammer the, uh, the favorite and the team that, that has to win because they just assume that if it's a must win, that they're going to win. Uh, and a lot of times those lines are inflated and we get a lot of upsets uh, from, from the underdogs. So keep an eye on those kind of bad teams uh, as we hit the, the, the next couple of weeks. Um, not as much this week, but especially week 16, 17, historically, those, uh, those teams that are out of it like to play spoiler and, and we get some uh, unusual outcomes. So uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. And we've got Saturday football this week, which I'm excited about. Uh, normally love it with, uh, with some bowl season, but I don't know if, I don't think bowl season starts yet. I think it's conference championships. So yeah, next week. Um, yeah. So Saturday should be a fun day, but looking, looking forward to, to all of it, uh, this weekend. Yeah, there we go. And I hope, uh, hope everyone's nice and stretched. So there's no cramping during this podcast. We can uh, just get through it uninterrupted. And so uh, as we go, we do have some interesting games on the slate this week. Again, the late in the season. So everybody's playing uh, as far as we know right now. Uh, all games are good to go. We only really have one, uh, one big case of COVID. And that's going to come on uh, <laughs> this Sunday night football game uh, where Jason Garrett is now no longer calling plays for the Giants. I don't know if that's a bad thing or not. I mean, with the Giants offense, you know, who knows? It, it, it could be good. Um, so that is uh, the game that was flexed into Sunday night. But uh, other than that, we have uh, a lot of good games. Um, uh, we won't get into, sorry, TA, the, uh, the Thursday night game a little bit. We'll save some Anthony Lynn, uh, any, uh, any talking points probably for uh, next week after whatever happens uh, in this game. The he Chargers. tried last week. He tried <laughs> to blow it before the first was- half. In, and I was so uh, proud of Dan. Didn't. He was tweeting towards the end of that game. I was like, you're starting to, f- I love every, I loved every bit of it. Cause I was on the chargers and it's just, it's so painful, but it's so, so great at the same time. I, I mean, I mean the, the fourth quarter of, of chargers Falcons was everything we could have wanted from the fourth quarter. Oh, of the chargers Matt Falcons Ryan game. threw Those one of the worst three drives that went interception, interception, interception was just, oh, <laughs> the Matt work, Ryan last a work one. of oh, art. Man. 
It was fantastic. I loved every bit of it. Yeah, it was great. So uh, we'll get uh, we'll get the Chargers potentially uh, a little hobbled, and uh, Keenan Allen, I think, potentially questionable. The Raiders will be without uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, that's been a big thing. So uh, we'll we'll skip ahead uh, just to get more of the games that are going to matter. Like you said, there are two um, Saturday games um, in this week, and both. I'm not sure if they're going to be good games, but each game has one team that's at least good enough to have us you know pay attention to it we have bills uh, and broncos uh, as the early game and then panthers and packers as the late game on saturday night uh are, is there uh, a side here uh either of you guys are looking forward to in either one of these games i i'll just jump in first because i bet um i already bet carolina it was one of my first bets of the week you can get them at, I think, nine right now. And they're just, you know, I mean, Dan, we talked, we joked around uh, prior to the season that was one of your favorites um, from a, you know, Joe Brady and offensive perspective that, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater getting over a touchdown is just like, it's just money in the bank. I mean, and they, they are road tested. I mean, they've played a brutal schedule. I mean, they played the Chiefs on the road. They played Tampa on the road. I mean, they've had, they played the Vikings. I mean, they've had some really, really tough games, played the Saints at home. I mean, they've got some really tough games under their belt. I think they can hang here. I actually think this is going to be a lot closer. They, they might have a shot to win it at the end with, uh, I can see Teddy Bridgewater, you know, driving for a late score uh, to potentially win. I'm not sure they will, but I, I just think that they're just one of those teams that you just don't give more than a touchdown to. They, sh- they should get DJ Moore back, I-, I believe, unless I'm wrong here. So he'll be back. And the Packers just you know, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I hate taking, um, I mentioned it last week, I hate taking large favorites on the road. And, but I did it twice with, with Green Bay and with Kansas City. And I got burned both occasions with these kind of cheap backdoor field goals at the end of games just to, just to get it within one score. Um, you know, they completely dominated and they still couldn't cover it because that defense is just not very good. They don't get a pass rush. You know, they're 22nd in the NFL in pressure rate. You give Teddy Bridgewater a clean pocket. Um, he's going to pick you apart. He was 12th in the NFL in uh, QB rating with a clean pocket. So uh, I think they're going to be able to put up some points here against that, that Green Bay defense. And yeah, Carolina's defense always looks bad on paper and it looks like that, you know, the opponents just be able to score it well, but for whatever, you know, they keep, keep games close. They keep everything in front of them. So I think that's going to be a really good game. So I do like Carolina there. And I think the Buffalo Denver game is interesting because from a, pure kind of old school handicapping situation you'll sit there you would sit there and say you know Denver's aside like Denver plays well at home it's a short week um Buffalo off back-to-back primetime games you know just everyone is jumping on their bandwagon talking about them competing with Kansas City to win the AFC um so normally you would sit there and say you know Denver's aside here um, but at the same time, Denver's secondary is absolutely uh, beat up right now. I mean, I think their top three or four corners are all out. Um, and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater shredded them last week just from a completion percentage perspective. I think it was like 80% completion. But, I mean, how are they going to cover these four or five wides for Buffalo? I have no idea. Um, they're going to have to bring up practice squad guys to, to cover, you know, guys like Gabe Davis, et cetera. So, um, you know, I'm going to stay away. I think it's going to be more interesting than, than we may think here just because big Fangio does a really good job. I think with what he's got defensively. So I think it will be, you know, closer than, uh, than I think uh, most people think, but I'm not ready to kind of fire either away, but I think both games will be very competitive to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you look at Carolina, they are, they've kind of showed it. They're oh, they're 0 and 3 against the spread as favorites, and then they're 7 and 3 as underdogs. They kind of just always hang around and cover. And then when you they're in a spot you want to back them, you just you know stay away when they're when they're laying points. Uh their secondary has gotten really, really, really bad. You know, especially the bad we talked about, I think, during the show over the course of the season, like early in the season, we we're like, oh, they're not as bad as we thought. Like it's it's kind of fine. And then, you know, from week seven on, they've just been a travesty uh defensively. Uh, they are 29th in the league in yards for pass play allowed. Uh, they were ninth prior. They were kind of getting by on just playing all that zone, giving up a high completion percentage, but making tackles and not giving up big plays. And that's just been all thrown out the window. And, you know, they, they made Drew Locke look like a functional quarterback last week. Uh, that's what I don't think we'll see in the, the night game. I don't think Drew Locke will nearly look as good. Uh, he's had a couple spots this year where he's, you know, his flash moments and then 
typically it's been fourth quarters. That was like his, his best complete game of the season last week. Uh, but the Bills defense has been playing really well, you know, the past month plus, and they've been getting a lot of takeaways, which they weren't getting early in the season. Um, and we've seen that be a big factor in turning the tides of that game on Sunday night against the Steelers. You know, that pick six really is what turned that game around. And then kind of just, you know, from that point on, the Bills just dominated. They came out of the half and just wrecked uh, Josh Allen was hot. Uh, but I, I'm happy that the more people, more of the public gets to see the Bills again. They got to see it on Sunday night and they, they didn't get to see the full, you know, kind of let loose kind of what we've seen from the Bills. But I mean, I'll be honest, the Bills are my favorite team in the NFL this year. Uh, like it happens every year where just like a team like is operating in the capacity I would want to run a team. And that team is the Bills this year. We had talked about it early in the season. I mean, they're throwing the ball heavy on first downs. They're using a ton of play action. They're using a ton of play action and they don't use their running backs at all. They can't run just, the ball and play action is working. It doesn't matter. It doesn't exactly. matter. And, you know, it's, it's the same. You know, they don't even throw to their running backs, uh, which is awesome. They don't even use their running backs. Like, their running backs, in, in, in terms of team context, uh, provide the lowest rate of production than any other running back unit in the NFL. Um, I wish we were getting John Brown. He was rolled out before we, you know, got on here. I uh, wish we were getting him back. But he's getting close because uh, when, he, when he's in this offense, it, it is even a little bit better because uh, they can go that four wide and, and run really that four wide deep like you kind of hit on. Uh, but the Bills are doing like everything I would want to do with running an offense. And it's really unlocked and maximized Josh Allen. And you see guys like Mitchell Trubisky, who's played well the past two weeks in, in some good spots, but, you know, kind of never, never get like the full backing from the organization to succeed. Sam Darnold uh, with the Jets. So very little uh do we we just take for granted that you know teams doing the right things with their investment in quarterbacks and the bills have done that in terms of surrounding him with talent and understanding what he does and doesn't do well as a passer and embracing that embracing what josh allen does bad and and maximizing what he does well we take a lot of that stuff for granted because we assume it happens a lot more than it does and it's you know i'm I'm glad that people get to see this bills team uh in in like more of a public setting because they're going to see it again in a few weeks yeah, and a couple of numbers to back up what you're saying. The defense has been a lot better uh, the last, uh, you know, going back six weeks. They're number seven in the NFL in uh, EPA per play on defense. Um, they're number one on offense and number one on a net basis. Like they're they're the best team in the NFL essentially in the last six weeks. So they've been they've been awesome, um, no doubt. Uh, I will say the one area they continue to, and it's not you know in terms of winning games, it's not as big of a deal. But you know, you could still run on this defense. Um, and so that's one way that Buff, uh, Denver could, could stay in it. But in general, yeah, they've been playing great. Uh, White's been awesome. Um, so, you know, it, it, and I will say I was a little bit slow to get to get hit, you know, hip to the, to the Buffalo uh, offense uh, just because I was just never a full Josh Allen believer. But they, they just put him in such good position um, to just kind of sit, sit back there and sling it. The offensive line has been great. Um, you know, the one game that they struggled recently was against the Chargers, you know, who, who don't blitz, who kind of get pressure. Um, you know, Bosa kind of dominated that game. But besides that, you know, uh, they've really done a nice job putting him in good spots to win. Um, so it has been really, really interesting to see his improvement. And, you know, they talked about it the last game, about how, you know, they're using a lot of kind of funky techniques um, in the offseason to, to help him improve his, his accuracy. Because that's obviously the one, you know, that was the biggest issue coming out of college. And I'm really impressed with how he has improved that accuracy. So, you know, that may be something in the future as we evaluate some of these, you know, these quarterbacks, you know, the guys that can run that maybe, you know, their one big issue is accuracy. Maybe there are, there are ways to really fix that. So uh, that's something to keep in mind going forward. But uh, the one thing with Carolina we'll hit on uh, too, you know, you mentioned, you know, their pass defense um, has been kind of bad, you know, pretty bad the last handful of weeks. And, you know, again, it always looks worse on paper. You know, they've had to play – they play Kansas City. They gave up 33 points, but they scored 31, right? They played Tampa. They played Detroit, Minnesota. They, they played some – they played Atlanta. They I don't know. We just seen K.J. Hamler look like, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Flipper Anderson against them. Uh, I know. And not even have a chance. So, I mean but, – uh, <laughs> But they're battle-tested. They've done – I mean, they've, they've faced – you know, it's not like they faced a bad schedule and, and getting, you know, uh, oh, destroyed. Yeah. I mean, they're placed maybe the toughest, one of the toughest pass schedules in the NFL. And, and right, but now, covered... they're, now they're going against the Packers, who Denver is the only team that throws deep more often than the Packers. And the Packers are significantly better at throwing deep, no matter you know who they're throwing to. Sometimes it's been Devontae Adams, you know, even uh, – 
Marquez Valdez-Scantling, even though he's, you know, only catching like 40% of his deep passes when he catches them, they're usually going for touchdowns. Uh, so that's kind of my concern with, with Carolina here. Uh, they're 30th in DVOA against deep passes. Uh, and that's, it's just, it's those corners. They haven't been able to hold up. And they were, like we said, we, they were able to do it earlier in the season. You know, there was some improvement from you know, Dante Jackson. He had Rizul Douglas, who was playing better. And these guys just it, over the the course of a full season, they just haven't been able to hold up. And what you got, you know, the safety play in, you know, Trey Boston, he's still playing well. Jeremy Chin has gotten significantly better uh, over um, the over the season, um, but he's kind of that guy that, that plays all around. So they, they don't really have anything to defend these deep passes. I don't see any way they can defend Devonte adams uh, at all so this is uh, a green bay offense that is going to want to throw deep this is right now a panthers defense that cannot um defend deep uh so when when you put those two things together i kind of i do as much as i like the, the panthers offense i find it very hard for them to be able to uh play catch up uh in this game uh, especially if green bay just uh, comes out and, and starts throwing deep right off the bat well just remember that was the same handicap we you know i know i had with the Lions last week, right? I mean, Lions are worse than the Panthers deep. Um, they're worse. I mean, they have they have no secondary uh, right now. And you can see, like, you can, there's still ways. Because the, the Green Bay defense just isn't good enough. They just can't get pressure. They can't get – see, there are certain teams that when, when they're up, you know, you can just unleash a pass rush, right? And you can just get to the quarterback. They don't have that. And so they let these – they can let teams that can um, move the ball, you know, hang around from a spread perspective at least. So if you're getting over seven – like if this line was six and a half, you're right, and it would be a different story. But when you're getting over seven and these defenses just kind of, you know, you play prevent, kind of let teams get cheap touchdowns or field goals at the end of games because they don't care about the spread, right? They just care about uh, winning the game. Um, you know, it opens up that back door. So, you know, that's really – for me, the biggest thing. And, um, you know, again, Carolina's seen a lot of these great pass offenses and they've covered against Kansas City. They've covered against the Saints. They almost beat both teams. So to me, that gives me a little more comfort that as bad as it looks on paper, um, you know, they've seen it before um, and they've handled it. So we'll see. Should be a fun game. It's going to be the weather's actually going to be pretty good. It's in the mid 30s and no wind. So that helps, you know, from a Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater perspective. But, um, yeah, it's basically hey, a different conversation of, you know, covering the spread and, you know, the matchup here. I don't think any of us believe I mean you, I mean TA actually sounds like you do believe that they can pull off the upset uh outright because they it's hung possible. up the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I would say it's not uh, um it's not impossible <laughs> yeah. either. But I asked you guys a few weeks ago when the Bucks were on that run, yeah. if you guys thought the Bucks were, you know, the Super Bowl favorite. And now that the, the Packers are on this run. Uh, I don't feel like they have the backing, but uh, like, who do we even right now believe is the best NFC team? Is it the Packers? I feel like we're all waiting for the Packers because their schedule's been just so insanely easy that like we're waiting for like that one hiccup spot, like when they face a good defense, like what happens to them? Uh, we, you know, we saw the one defense that they faced was the Bucks, and they got shut down, and they that's when they laid their egg. Uh, are we are, are we backing the Packers? Do we like the Bucks as a sneaky play? Do we are we, do we think the Saints of Drew Brees comes back? Like, what are we doing in the NFC right now? Yeah, I will just – for me personally, I mean, I would say the Saints, as long as Drew Brees is healthy, right? I mean, they still have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, you know, Tampa is 31st in the NFL in the last six weeks on a net basis. They're 31st on defense, 24th on offense. Uh, when you look at um, success rate um, in the last six games, I mean, they've been really bad. And we already saw that they – you know, I think you asked that before the last Saints game, I believe. And so mm -hmm. they just struggle against that type of team. Um, so against them or the Rams, they're just not going to be able to, to compete, um, you know, kind of physical up front on defense. And so I, and I still think Seattle – to me, as long as they fix their offensive line, you know, they get, they get healthy on the O-line because that was the big issue against the Giants. They just, whoever it was, Chad Wheeler, I think it was, had the play. They were down to like the third and fourth string. If they can just at least get that position, you know, fortified and protect Russell Wilson enough, I still think Seattle and the Saints are the two teams in the NFC that I would take um, right now just because I, I trust Russell Wilson. I trust that pass offense. And, you know, they're getting better on D. They're not great, but again, they just need to be average. And I think they're average, um, but I'm not trying. What I saw from Green Bay last week really bothered me. Like that's you should bury a team like the Lions. Like I mean, the Texans did it two weeks ago or three weeks ago on Thanksgiving. They couldn't bury them. Like they kept the, they're hanging around, hanging around. 
Um, and, you know, as great as Devontae Adams is, if you could at least somehow bracket him or slow him down, they don't really have that many other weapons. I'm not afraid of the rest of that offense. Um, and Aaron Jones hasn't played well. That offensive line, you know, hasn't been great. I don't know. There's something about that team that when they face a specific matchup, like to me, I would, if the Saints were playing them right now, I would have the Saints favored over them. I would have, I mean, I think I would have the Rams favored over them, to be honest with you. I think the Rams are the one team that on paper like are a big problem for the Packers. Just so well, like let, let's go there yeah. because the yeah. my answer to that question is the Rams. Yeah. I just I think straight up right now. I think they're probably the team that's doing the most fun things on on both sides of the ball. I think when that offense is clicking, um it's it's working out so well. I mean, they I when you even go with you know what their running game is, I think we kind of saw that against when they you know, the Thursday game against uh, New England. We a lot of people kind of thought New England would just kind of have that that plan where they would do like the the six one front. It would stop the Rams running game, but without Todd Gurley and and all these new running backs they have, they can use the the actual outside zone a little more, so they can get to the edges, which is something Todd Gurley couldn't do. So when they had those you know six one fronts, um, it, they were just getting stopped up the middle. But now that these guys can get to the outside you know Daryl Henderson can do that Cam Akers can do that um so that ad just kind of adds an extra element there which makes it hard to defend uh and Jared Goff when, when things are working well um obviously he's been you know one of the more productive quarterbacks in the league I won't say one of the best quarterbacks in the league because we just kind of we know what Jared Goff is but still even when he's been asked to just straight drop back a little more he, he's been better this year especially in you know the second half of the season and then that defense just kind of seems like the way it's put together is if they thought of a defense of how would we stop our own offense. And I think that's a really good modern way to think about the defense because the Rams are doing a lot of cool stuff with, with the motions and, and all their, their screens and all their passing concepts. And they've kind of put together a, a defense conceptually that is designed to stop the Rams offense. And that's going to help them against a lot of other uh offenses uh in this league and so uh, and when you have just two guys like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey who are just difference makers on each level uh of of that defense and you can move Ramsey around kind of we've talked about this a lot he can either you know be that kind of star versatile piece or if there is a, a number one receiver you just throw him on him so there's like so many things you can do with Jalen Ramsey their safeties are playing uh, incredibly well uh the linebackers just don't really matter at this point even though that's probably the weak point on the defense but they have so many other pieces there that can move around so I think just between what the offense and what the defense are, are doing and how they're playing right now uh, I think they're I, they're my favorite and I think they can they can hang with anyone and I, I don't really think I have uh, a problem uh picking them against any team in in the nfc right now the only thing i will say to that and i agree with most points if it's 10 degrees in lambeau field do you feel the same way about jared goff going into green bay because that that inevitably could happen i feel like russell wilson has no problems i don't think that offense would have a problem there um i think even the saints with the short passing game and that defense they can they can play there I just I would be really worried about golf in in bad weather. I, yeah, I but, but golf has golf has the the short the passing game too. There have been games this year where Jared Goff's average depth of target is like four, and his uh, average depth of completion is like two and a half um, <laughs> because uh, Sean McVay has him running all, all the jet sweeps and and the screens and all these short passes. So I, I think they just have a, a good. They also have an adjustable game plan. I think we think of this Sean McVay offense as as just like this thing that just like kind of happens but he he is a guy that is adjusting the game plans to the opponent and I think you saw there was there's a video clip after um the Thursday night game Bill Belichick just came up to him and said oh, yeah. you you outcoached me you had a great plan um and I think Sean McVay is is kind of starting to uh, evolve there a little bit so I think you know if they if they're playing the Packers in Green Bay I think we see a lot of the running game going and I think they'll get that going and Green Bay can't run the ball I think that's one of those games where the defense is going to be inviting them to run they'll just be like fine stop us and I think that's going to be good enough uh and they have the secondary that I think can hold up with the the Packers receiver so I I don't think that's a bad matchup even in 10 degrees uh in Lambeau so um they are I think one of the the most interesting teams in the NFC uh, to be right now 
Um, it'll so, be um, probably more matchup based and, you know, not to get in the weeds here, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the Packers are like one of those teams, like if they get a draw where they have to play like Arizona and Seattle, like that's great for them. And if they have to play like Tampa Bay or the Rams, like that's a problem for them, like the way they're, they're, they're structurally built. So, I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see how the seating goes in the NFC and, and who well, pulls this great. out with the, uh, you know, the Saints dropping the game last week. And then if they were to lose again, uh, I mean, if you guys want to head there, we can head there because I have no idea why that line is three. Uh, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> confused why it. it's three. I'm, I'm blown away. Like, as what what don't we know? Like, I mean, because the Chiefs haven't covered in five straight games, but like I feel Taysom Hill starting in a game where you know, like when you play against the Chiefs, you have to score 30 points. And the you know under Taysom Hill, like on a per drive basis, they just aren't scoring as many points as under Drew Brees. They're twenty second in scoring uh, rate per drive under Taysom Hill. They were third in the NFL under Drew Brees. For this to be three seems insane to me. I mean, I just don't understand how. And it opened at three and a half, and it got bet down on the Saints side. I don't know if people thought like Drew Brees are going to play it or still holding hope for it, but I am very confused by this line, and I'm looking for some clarity uh, because uh, I want to take these three points and I wanted to, to just cherish them. Well, I'll just say from the betting perspective, um, when it was at, th- when I was at four, I actually was, I didn't pull the trigger, but I was really strongly considering New Orleans. I didn't do it. And like you said, now it's down to two and a half with some juice. Um, I think people did um, project Drew Brees to come back for this game. And I don't, has he been totally ruled out or it, I, no. it doesn't seem like he has. So there's a chance he could play. The only way – okay, so we talked about this a handful of times this season. How do you beat the Chiefs, right? How do you handle Mahomes? And, we, and you know, Dan, you can, you, you're the expert here. So I'll, You just I'll, wrote about it this week. You just wrote about it. So I'll lead you into this, okay? So me, I'm, I'm kind of layman's. I'm not a scout. I'm not a – I don't break down film. Um, I know enough to be dangerous but not to, through the weeds. What I know about how you, quote, unquote, slow down Mahomes – is you get pressure from your front four without blitzing. You don't blitz Mahomes. You, you get pressure with your front four. You kind of play back. You keep everything in front, right? That's the key. I mean, that's what the Saints do. Saints are seventh in pressure rate. They're middle of the pack in, in blitz rate. They can get. But there's a number one man coverage team in the NFL, and we saw two weeks ago when the, they faced a man heavy team in the Bucks. What happened? So they're gonna have to really change something too. Right. Sure. And uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it, go, it goes up to the defensive coordinators to figure out Do you just stick to what, what you normally do. Um, but that, that's, that's essentially been the formula. We saw with the chargers, we've seen it with the, the, the Niners last year in the Super Bowl, um, which aren't, I mean, it's not, they don't have Richard Sherman, but it's not, you know, again, the man versus zone thing might be different, but in general, that's kind of the ingredients, right? So, and then how do you beat them on offense? You try to outscore them and you run the ball. And we know that even, you know, even if it's Taysom Hill, but in general, I mean, the Saints are one of the best run offenses. And I think top, I think they're number one in DVOA run offense, maybe in the NFL and Kansas city's 30th. So stop in the run. Um, and you can, you can score on them. We saw, I mean, Tua, I mean, I know it was, it was prevent defense, but he sliced and diced that defense in the fourth quarter for whatever it's worth. I mean, again, uh, circumstances matter. But um, they, they, you know, they can be had. That's my only, that's my only um, kind of uh, um, uh, handicap from that perspective is they have the ingredients on defense that have, you know, you've been known, teams have been known to, to slow down Mahomes using that kind of style. And they have the rush, the rushing offense to, you know, grind away the clock and kind of get five yards at a time against this Chiefs defense. So that, that's my only – and you look at DVOA, I mean, they're, I mean, Saints are number one DVOA for whatever it's worth. Again, everything that metric. So they are the better team when you look at the advanced metrics overall than the Chiefs. So that that's, I think, is kind of what's playing into this. Again, I wouldn't bet the Saints here. I would take the Saints potentially in the teaser because I think if you're getting – again, we saw last week that Kansas City just can't put anybody away and against a good defense and, and a team that can run the ball, I think – you know, getting the Saints over eight and a half or eight points would be actually pretty pretty decent in the tease. But that's my only handicap. But I'll leave Dan because he's he's done the work on this and he can totally dispel everything that I just said. <laughs> no, so you're you know not wrong in, in a sense that you know the teams that have been able to keep the Chiefs, I, I guess, at, at bay for for the longest amount of time, and and that's kind of the thing. Even the things that have worked this season haven't really worked because uh, they've still allowed the Chiefs to have that the opportunity at the end of the game uh, to come back and win, which is what they've done. And really the only team that we saw able to beat uh, the Chiefs was was the Raiders, and they just had uh, an all-out just all offensive 
offensive blitz on them and they were able to uh, you know go, go shot for shot with them on, on offense with you know the probably the the best deep passing game of Derek Carr's career um and she still hasn't gone anything like that since um so that's that's kind of uh, what you see there because there are so many I mean, we've I've brought this up on the podcast a whole bunch of times about how often teams are just really shifting um how how they're playing defense in order to stop the chiefs from having uh, a big plays. And that just, it really hasn't worked there. There's so many teams are, are trying to play too deep. And like you said, try to keep everything in front of the defense, but it's just, it's not working as often because it, I said this in an article I just wrote for, for the website. Um, you know, it's, it's oversimplified, but when teams are, you know, only going a single high safeties, usually, you know, in some type of man coverage, uh, the Chiefs can just go to Tyree Kill because he's going to beat whoever he's in uh, one-on-one. We saw that with, you know, Carlton Davis, like Rich said. Um, you know, Tampa Bay came out at the beginning of that game. They were just going to do, we'll do what we do. We've we've been a good defense to this point. We'll do what we do. We'll play a man coverage. We'll play single high. And there was uh, you know, 200 yards in, in the first half uh, with three touchdowns. Um, and so um, and through the second half of the game, they went to a lot of uh, two high safeties and uh, it, it kind of stopped the Chiefs from, from throwing uh, as much, but it, it didn't work uh, quite as well. Um, and then the, when teams are going too high, you just have Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. And that's where they go when teams are playing too high. And Travis Kelsey is, you know, the best slot receiver in the league right now. He's leading the league in receiving yards um, as a tight end. And he just has that ability to find that open space kind of in the middle of the field when there is room there with those two deep safeties. Uh, And he's, you know, has this combination of getting air yards and yards after the catch on those types of throws. So it's just, there's, there's no good way to, to go about this. And I think, you know, I wrote about how some of these teams are playing more, you know, too high. The Panthers played 45% more too high um, against uh, the Chiefs than they have against any other team in the league. You know, the Bills were a successful team for for the most part, and they were that team that really invited them to run, and that was the time the Chiefs said, okay, we're going to run the ball, and the problem was the Bills couldn't stop it, um, and that still gave Kansas City the, the chance there. You know, the Chargers played more too high than they're usually like that, that cover three defense, but they played a lot of too high um, uh, against um, uh, against the Chiefs. So uh, I'm not sure if we're going to see that from uh, in New Orleans because uh, they do play you new know, band coverage a lot and they are a team that is going to want to try to um, – you know, a man up on those guys because they do have those good pieces in the secondary. The problem is the the Chiefs have guys who can win uh, against that. So I think that's that's going to be a very interesting matchup there. How they go uh, back and forth. I think the the one thing to watch is what you said about that pass rush, especially with, I think some of the injuries we just saw um, uh, with the chiefs at, at tackle against, you know, Mitchell yeah. sports has been out for a while. Um, I think they, uh, Eric Fisher might not play. Um, I believe so. They might be down to like third and fourth string tackles. Um, yeah. But we've also seen uh, the chiefs have uh, embraced the quick game a, a little more this year. They've been more efficient on some of those short passes. I think we saw uh, that week one game against um, Houston when Houston just kind of sat back the whole game. Uh, but had like a, a you know, a five yard average at the target. Um, and it was like the, the lowest uh, yardage he's had uh, in terms of air yards and the quickest he's ever gotten the ball out. So the chiefs are also this team that can adjust. So no matter what defenses are throwing at them, whether um, it's, you know, uh, for a game plan or the chiefs adjusting in the middle of a game, they've figured out how to um, at least get by enough where they have uh, a chance at the end of the game. So there's, there's just, there's no good way to, to defend the chiefs right now. Uh, and that's what makes them, you know, infuriating uh, from, you know, an, an opponent's standpoint is you can think of all these things that would work um, against other teams. Um, but the chiefs are just so good. And all it takes is, is that one big play They're They're never, you know, getting down big enough where they can't just get back into the game within a drive or two. Um, and, and that's what's really made 
the Chiefs dangerous here. So, and I don't think New Orleans can score, especially with Taysom Hill at quarterback uh, enough where even if they get a, you know, a 10 point lead, like the Dolphins had uh, last week, I just, I, I don't see that happening. And as long as the Chiefs are staying close enough um, to where they're entering, you know, the, the second half or the fourth quarter, uh, where they're in striking distance, uh, that, that's look- what makes them really dangerous. I mean, I, my guess is if the line doesn't move like this, unless there's actual info or really smart info that, that Breeze is going to play. Now, again, that could, the market's been wrong before, but that just gives me a little bit of um, a hint that he's going to play. We'll see. But if Taysom Hill does play, <laughs> they should just run the freaking option. I mean, just be like, we're going to grind it out and we're going to run the option, and you know, <laughs> which is kind of what they're doing anyway, but just run it down your throat and just don't get the ball. And I can see Sean Payton doing something fun like that, but I, I'm excited for it. I mean, if Bree- so let me ask you, Rich, if Breeze plays, do you, do you still think the line is too short at, at two and a half or three? Or is this only a taste and milk conversation? I mean, I still do just because, I mean, what are we going to get from Breeze? I mean, this guy had 11 fractured ribs and a punctured lung. And it feels from all the doctors that like I follow through, like for fantasy news and stuff, everyone thought like it's too soon for him to come back. So like if he, if it is ahead of the timetable, like how healthy is he? What are we looking at? Although, yeah, he'd obviously be a plus in terms of matching points. You know, I laid out the stats versus Taysom Hill and versus Drew Brees. I mean, they scored on over half of their drives with Drew Brees under center. Uh, you know, there's definitely a chance to match, you know, more points. I just don't know how healthy Brees will be, even if he does play. Um, but, yeah, obviously help. I'm more – I don't really fully believe in the Saints defense right now. So since their week six by, they face Teddy Bridgewater, Nick Foles, Brady, Nick Mullins, Matt Ryan twice, once without Julio Jones, Kendall Hinton, and Jalen Hurts. I, I just have a hard time still believing this full-on uh, assault, of this 180 that they've done. I don't believe that they're, it's fully true. I, I believe that they're better than they were to start the year, but I also just don't believe it's a full, like they're, they're fully like this un, unstoppable juggernaut as well. And if they're, and if they want to come on a fast track, this is just Mahomes true second start in an actual dome with turf. Uh, the NFL counts the, you know, Vegas and the SoFi stadium uh, against the Chargers as domes. They're not really true domes. They're open air to a degree. This is as, like, is this Tyreek on turf? for the second time in his, you know, it, with Mahomes ever. The Lions game last year was the only other time. Uh, and he didn't even, Tyreek didn't even play in that game. You know, so, I mean, it's I this, a fast – if they're going to come out and say that we're going to put Marshawn Lamar in a one-on-one spot, who hasn't even really been that good anyways, uh, it's it's going to be – I mean, you can't do it. Like, like Dan said, they're going to have to alter what they do defensively. And if the Saints are do alter what they do defensively, is that a plus for them? We don't know. Um, and I mean, I just look at this, this litany of quarterbacks that they face since they're by when they've been on this hot run and there is nothing endearing, uh, and no one in the weight class of Mahomes, even, even close this year, uh, Rogers carved them early in the year. Uh, didn't, they, they didn't put up any resistance to Rogers without Devontae Adams, you know, uh, Alan Lazard had a monster game that game. Uh, so, I mean, I, I am not fully buying the Saints defense in this turnaround. I feel like this is light. We'll see. I mean, I could definitely be wrong. But I feel like this is a, a, a statement spot for the Chiefs. Uh, and, but like you said, they've let teams hang around. I mean, it, the statement should have came against the Bucks. I mean, you're up 20, what, 24 nothing, 24-7, and you let them come back and backdoor. Uh, maybe that's a situation here where they get up and they kind of take their foot off the pedal. I mean, even last week, they're up 18 at a point against the Dolphins. And, oh, I know. Yeah, and they, you know, <laughs> and you come back, they're not closing the door. No, they're up 20, teams. 30 to 10, and they were driving <laughs> yeah. early fourth quarter, and Mahomes throws a – I mean, it's a great interception by Howard in the end zone. But, yeah, that they should have closed the door there. But, yeah, you're right. It's uh, We haven't seen thing. that from the Chiefs, of the, the, that blitzkrieg of just like, you know, hey, we're going to beat a team by, you know, 25. Yeah. We haven't seen it for a few weeks. Uh, but, so <laughs> I will say you were talking about with the Saints because uh, I just looked it up. So they're seventh in pressure rate now at uh, 25.5%. Um, back, I think, uh, look at my week eight numbers, they're like 15th in pressure rate. So that I think pressure against, you know, whether it's been the bad offensive lines or whatever, and maybe that's it, um, that's really been the difference here. I don't know if their secondary is better. Uh, I don't think it is. It's just they. I mean, you, we know what they did against Brady. I mean, he couldn't even drop oh, yeah. back. So we'll see. I keep Again, uh, I'm going to plug our injury report because keep an eye, as, as Dan mentioned, is a great point. You know, Fisher might be out. They're going to be down a bunch of linemen. I mean, you're talking about third stringers for both, you know, right. And because Mike Remmers is also potentially not playing. 
Um, he might have been ruled out already, and he was replacing Mitchell Schwartz. So you might have both tackles um, going to third or second stringers. So that's just another thing to keep an eye on, and that's something that's always undervalued in the market. Um, we, the general better doesn't value linemen and secondary injuries as much, especially the cluster side of things. So keep an eye on that. But that, that's, again, that I'm not taking the Saints, so I'm just I'm making sure that everybody's aware. I'm just making the case <laughs> for why. Uh, a better would look at the Saints and potentially get this line down to three or two and a half. Um, th- those are the, the cases and things like, you know, not having your tackles there and, and Mahomes not having the ability. I mean, he's going to have to, the, the way he's going to have to make these deep, you know, deep plays to Tyree, they're going to be broken plays most likely. Um, if you're, if you're facing a really good defensive line and you don't have your tackles, he's going to be scrambling for his life. And that's how he's going to hit these big plays. Otherwise it's going to be the dink and dunk to, to, to Kelsey. And that's how they're going to move the chains because they can't run the ball either. So um, that's really how they're going to make plays here uh, is kind of, you know, him scrambling and, and throwing off his back foot, which of course we know he can do. So I, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be great. I don't think it's a blowout by the chiefs at all. I think it's going to be a great game and uh, we'll see what the, what the saints end up doing. Talked a lot about that game. Is there anything else that you guys see on the schedule that you're looking forward to? I mean, I have, like I said, I've only bet the, I bet the Panthers and, I actually, <laughs> I actually bet um, the Patriots uh, on a teaser too. Uh, I didn't take the line yet because the line moved uh, quickly. But um, again, I just don't believe in this Miami team and the fact that, um, I mean, Parker might be out, uh, Grant pr- potentially out, and Gusecki is out. How the hell are they going to move the ball um, on offense? They can't run the ball. Uh, Gaskin's out too. Uh, and we know Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks has just has been incredible. We already saw it against Herbert two weeks ago. So what's he going to do against Tua here? Anybody, anybody join me on the Patriots here? Or, uh, I like it. You like I that? dig that. I like him as outright live dog. I mean, where's it at now? It, it, you said it moved. I didn't see. I know it opened at two and a half. I, I think it's one with some juice in some places, but you might be able to get it at two, uh, see one and a half. I have one and a half uh, DraftKings sportsbook right now. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think they're know. live dog. Obviously, they're getting the, the you know that that Miami, you know them traveling to Miami, you know home stigma. And Miami's been good at home too in terms of covering the spread. But this is where you're just picking, you know, Miami almost as an outright win uh, if you get down to that low where it's one and a half. Uh, I mean, I do think they're live dog. You said, I mean, twenty-five and five against rookie quarterbacks the regular season, eleven straight wins. Uh, no rookie quarterback has thrown for more than two touchdown passes, except for Russell Wilson against uh, the Patriots since Belichick's been there. It's just what do we get from this, you know, Patriots offense, man? I mean, it's always every week. Like we just don't know. Like, I mean, that interception Cam Newton threw on Thursday night was like so egregious on that screen. Like, I mean, we just don't know. And I, you know, I root for Cam. I think he's been a guy that like especially everything he's done and in, in this off season and the things he says, and you're, I, I really vibe with everything Cam's doing, but like his play on the field has just not really been good. And you can count it against him for what he has to work with. And that's fine. But I mean, like that, you can't make that pass on that, on third, on, on that, on that screen, like he did on Thursday. Like that, that swung the game. They were in the game until that point. And then that, that, that game was over at that point. And then he's dealing with injuries. So it's just always a wild card with the Patriots uh, because their offense is a train wreck. And, you know, can, can they muster but, anything up? I mean, the good thing is, is that the Dolphins is the run defense. Exactly. Uh, it's it's yeah. a train wreck, but the only thing they do is run and Miami yeah. the run. And so if they can just hang around and stay in the run game, in script to run the football, uh, they're, they're here. I do. I like the bet, though. I like. I think they're a definite live dog. Uh, you know, it's just one of these things as Patriots. This offense is is not good. Uh, but like I said, I mean, this is the under, right? How does how yeah. what how does this game even open with like a four in front of it? Like <laughs> it's a game total. It's twenty twenty, and you can't right. open an NFL game anymore. Uh, you know, uh, under <laughs> under forty three or forty four. But yeah, it should be a two slow paced. You know, two teams that are you know New England's twenty first and Miami's twenty second in neutral game pace, which this should be a tight game. Um, so they're not going to be a lot of uh, a lot of fast offense here. You can see a lot of run. I mean, Miami, you know, uh, who knows if they're going to be able to throw the ball again with all those guys out. And you know, New England, as we saw against Cam Akers, can't stop the run. They haven't stopped it all year. They're twenty eighth in DVOA, uh, or sorry, twenty eighth in um, uh, success rate uh, uh, against the run. So. You know, uh, it's going to be a lot of kind of grind it out and <laughs> and see what happens. Even, even back in week one, they scored thirty two combined. Yeah. 
I mean, it's – yeah, I don't know how that game gets in the 40s. I mean, maybe, like I said, it's 2020. Defensive touchdowns can always happen. Like, well, like that Patriot – maybe it's like the Chargers game where you get, you know, you know plays that swing swing those kind of overs. Right. But uh, offensively, it is not a lot to like here on either side. Listen, and I think we are uh, severely underrating the um, the, the two-back set of uh, two attack of Iloa, Wim Bowden, oh, yeah. and Malcolm Perry. Uh, this Ooh, is yeah. this this could be uh this could be actually uh, you know like Bill Belichick's wet dream on the other side uh, of the ball here. Uh, Miami could be running the the ideal Bill Belichick offense. You have uh, three uh, potential quarterbacks uh, in the backfield could be running. We we saw Lynn Bowden after everybody went out just had like a, a career high day. Suddenly he was like an uncoverable slot receiver. So I think that I mean that you're he not threw going two to passes. It. No, sorry, yeah. he threw one pass. And then the other one, he was supposed to throw. He, he was made trying to, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I mean, there's, there's, odd, I'm going to be way too interested uh, in this game um, just for all, all the all the weird things that could happen. And I think you you look at Cam, and yeah, I, I think I'm someone who is, will say he has played much better than a lot of the numbers uh, would suggest. I think he's actually been fairly accurate when he's thrown uh, deeper, uh, especially uh, over 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. He's been one of the highest uh, quarterbacks in on-target rate and completion percentage per uh, Sports Info Solutions. The problem is uh, they can't throw uh, over 10 yards uh, very often because they don't even have guys who can uh, get there. I mean, you're looking at Nikhil Harry, who just still can't separate um, at all. You know, Jacoby Myers spent a lot of time as uh, the first the, the, the number one receiver and, and he's someone that just shouldn't be a number one um you, have, uh, you know Demir Bird too these, these are just guys who shouldn't be ones and twos uh, in an offense uh, I think you look at uh, the beginning of the year you know uh, Julian Edelman had one of like the highest air yard tar- uh, percentages uh, of any receiver uh, in the league. And he, I think his average as a target was like 10. Um, so, uh, so much of that ran through um, what, you know, he was able to do there. And so I think Cam just doesn't have a lot to work with. And I think when you look at what uh, New England's on, cause uh, I saw a whole bunch of like really dumb posts after um, that Thursday night game about how, you know, Tom Brady had led this, you know, exact, same offense to you know 12 and 4 last year which is just like uh, it was it, it's so like purposefully dumb uh to to say that um you're you're leaving out the things you know purposely if oh, you're yeah. trying to if you're trying to make uh, that argument um and and actually right now uh the patriots uh in 2020 uh 2.24 points per drive Last year's New England Patriots offense, 1.99 points per drive. They have more points uh, per drive than last year's offense. So I think Cam is doing some things. I think the New England also knows that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him back there next year and that have them you know, retool some of the wide receivers. Um, and I think we've seen the past you know, couple of weeks, Cam can run a little more. So that's opening up a little more. So I would probably expect that to be a part of what the Patriots do um, in this game. I, this is probably just going to be the dumbest game uh, imaginable between offenses that are just, you know, throwing the kitchen sink because they, they don't have enough uh, to run functional offenses the way they want to. Um, so I'm going to be uh, super <laughs> interested uh, in that, even though it's probably not going to be a high quality game at all. Yeah. We probably spent too much time on that game, right? <laughs> I mean, it is an important game for Miami, but it's just, I mean, I mean, is so that famous. not what we do on this podcast? Just spending <laughs> way too much time on games that we should not be That's what matters, spending though. time on, but right. Um, but uh, I mean, <laughs> we, we spent the, you know, the requisite amount of time on, on chief saints. That's the only game this week uh, between two games with a winning record. Um, I think that kind of speaks to what the NFL is right now, where there's, you know, one great team. And as we talked about in the NFC, there's really no great team. There's a whole bunch of, you know, pretty good teams. So we're kind of seeing that. And when you kind of spread that out um, across all of these games, uh, even, but even in a week with all 16 games, we only have one with one game that, you know, really matters between two uh, good teams. So I do have one game that we can hit on. I'd like to get your guys' opinion because I didn't watch enough of them is the Eagles Cardinals. Cause that's a, obviously a huge one for playoff purposes. And Jalen hurts, you know, came in and upset the saints. I only watched the first half on game pass. I watched his, I mean, did he, I think he threw seven passes all game over 10 yards. It was two of seven and everything was short and RPO. 
Um, what do you guys see? I mean, I think his second starts are always interesting for these rookie quarterbacks with kind of unique offenses. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't Lamar Jackson. He's not going to beat you around the corner. He's kind of like a mini Josh Allen, I guess, with a more like run you over. He's built like a linebacker. Yeah. So, um, you know, do you guys see? I mean, but he's a way better athlete than Josh Allen. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Crazy, which is crazy too, to yeah. say. Like he's built like him, but he's a he's a like way faster. And he's he's like a. I mean, it's it's he's a unique build himself. He isn't yeah. Lamar Jackson. The difference is he's a better thrower of the football than Lamar Jackson. Didn't obviously show uh, completely in that game, but. Uh, just you see the difference of just them not taking negative plays and oh, staying yeah. on script was such mm-hmm. a huge deal. I mean, he wasn't sacked. He did lose a fumble. But this was a team that was averaging six sacks plus turnovers per game coming into last week, by far the most in the NFL. And you just don't take negative plays. Uh, you know, but you, you score a touchdown on a fourth down back shoulder play and you have an 82-yard touchdown run as two of your offensive touchdowns. Uh, so it's it's tough to like really kind of say like well how sustainable is scoring like that um, the matchup's a little bit better for them and Arizona's a little mm-hmm. bit worse against the run than the pass and you know some of that RPO stuff could be a little more effective here than it was last week uh, maybe when it caught the team off guard but we always wonder like when they have some tape what, what adjustments can be made but what adjustments can be made on both sides you know can he be a better passer also moving forward uh, so we need to see that I mean the big thing is we've seen Kyler run around last week too for the first time in, you know, three weeks. And, you know, this, we saw, you know, when he looked kind of like himself, we saw DeAndre Hopkins kind of start to look like himself. And then this Eagles team in the second half of that game just started to lose so many pieces. It made Taysom Hill look like a really good passer. I mean, if that, if they get that onside kick, they like, they, I assume the saints just go right down the field and score again, because at that point the Eagles couldn't really get a stop through the air because they were just playing vagabonds in the secondary at that stage in the game. It's kind of what they're going to be coming into. If Darius Slay is out, it's the second time he's been in concussion protocol. More than Slay. That's well, well, no, no, the other two guys are already out. McLeod yeah. oh, so out for the year and the Maddox is already out. So it's just, you know, if Darius Slay is out too, like they're really going three or four starters and you lose your primary cover guy because this is a team that wants to play man coverage as well. Uh, just opens the door. So at first I like really was intrigued by the plus six and a half. And then I was like looking at the over and the over got hammered like immediately because uh, all these Arizona home games have really popped too. But uh, I'm more probably will will just watch and enjoy this game because it's two running quarterbacks and that's my jam. I'm I'm <laughs> leaning towards Arizona actually. Um, it feels like the public just loves Philly this week. And, you know, I get it after a win. But again, you get second, second, you finally get game tape on a rookie quarterback like this who, you know, again, didn't air it out. Everything was short. Everything was RPO and short. You've got a Philadelphia defense, which has played well against the run, uh, against running backs. But Daniel Jones just it was, for whatever reason, like it breaks off 80 yarders every game against them. So, you know, maybe Kyler has a breakout game. Uh, he ran a little bit more, like you said, last week. You know, still not not sure if he's 100%, but he did run more last week. So maybe he, you know, has some some big plays. I mean, the secondary, like I said, it's just wasn't great to begin with. And you're talking like, I mean, three or four starters potentially out. And that's a huge deal against a, you know, maybe even a, a team can air it out. Like the, the, the horizontal raid can, can throw deep for once. I don't know. Um, but I think from that perspective, they, um, they should be able to match up well. So, um, you know, and you did mention, I want to make a point because it was great about um, the difference between Wentz and, and Hertz really is Hertz didn't have the negative plays. I mean, I, I, I tweeted this two weeks ago, you know, the biggest, to me, the biggest indictment on Wentz has just been, you know, he's had the it was 15th most pocket time in the NFL so he's had plenty of time in the pocket to, to make plays he's pressured the third most so that's because he was extending plays or just you know um he was he's kind of inviting pressure and they took 23 percent of those pressures turned into sacks which is by far the most in the NFL you know Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold um were allowing 12 percent and 10 percent of pressures to turn into sacks so Anytime you, he was just holding the ball, he was inviting pressure and he was taking sacks. And, you know, obviously if he wasn't taking sacks, he was throwing interceptions or fumbling. So just all those negative plays, if you just eliminated those and prior to, you know, the, the hurt starts, they probably win more games because, you know, they've been in a lot of these games. So I think that alone kind of just helps out this offense a lot, a lot. So even if he doesn't make a bunch of big plays uh, in the passing game, you know, just not making negative plays and turning some of those into runs, you know, obviously is additive. So that clearly is, uh, has been a big, uh, is, is a big 
positive for, for Hurts in this offense. But um, in general, I just know, don't know in the secondary if they're going to be able to hold up against uh, Kyler in this, this pass offense. Yeah, I think that was the, the one big takeaway with the Hurts outside of the athleticism and, and how much that offense was, was really schemed around that in that first game, which is the decisiveness of, of Jalen Hurts. Uh, he would drop back. If something was there, he threw it. Uh, if not, he was either scrambling or, or throwing the ball away. Um, and, and that's something that I think really helped uh, the Eagles move the ball. And then when they had uh, the run plays, whether you know it was you know the read option or there were some design runs and, and some scrambles, then Jalen Hurts was it was able to get good gains um, out of that. And he was really smart with the football. And not only did he not take a sack, I think he was only hit twice, um, maybe. Um, so it, it was just, uh, you know, they, they didn't put him in danger and he didn't put himself in danger. You know, I think we see a lot of times with mobile quarterbacks, even though know, outside of Carson Wentz, we see it with, you know, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, these mobile quarterbacks uh, and, and you know, Taysom Hill, especially they'll, they'll drop back and they'll sit in the pocket. They'll try to extend plays uh, with their legs. And that does invite the pressure. And, and Hertz just didn't do that uh, last week. So uh, I'm not sure if that's something that's uh, he's going to you know, continue to do. Cause I think probably eventually, especially with, you know, some of the Eagles wide receivers that, you know, aren't really doing a lot, um, you know, down the field themselves, he might feel the pressure to, you know, uh, stay in the pocket a little more and create some plays. But um, if he can run, uh, then that's uh, going to be good. And I think especially with uh, the the Eagles offensive line right now, um, yeah, they they might have, you know, we came into the league with probably one of the deepest offensive, uh, came into the start of the season, one of the deepest offensive lines. Um, they might just have guys that, that shouldn't be starting uh, right now. And then you're going against Hassan Reddick, who just had five sacks uh, <laughs> against the Giants. And like, they, they weren't bad sacks either. Like he earned those sacks. I think mean, we talk about Daniel Jones, you know, wasn't really able to move with that hamstring injury, but like, He's not fleeing the pocket a lot to like escape sacks uh, often either. So, um, and Sandra, coming against uh, tackles, he was, you know, bending around the edge really well. Uh, He had one where it was just a a full on like bull rush uh, against um, uh, one of the tackles too. Um, And then uh, Marcus Golden, since he's been traded to, to Arizona from that the Giants. He's always kind of flashed, man. Even he the has. first time so, when he was with Arizona. Yeah, yeah. He was always really good. I don't understand what the Giants were doing um, in the beginning of the year when they weren't playing him. But since Marcus Golden had his first game with Arizona uh, this year, that was in week nine. So since week nine, he's second to TJ Watt in, in individual pressure rate at 20%. So TJ Watts, the only uh, player uh, with a higher pressure rate than Marcus Golden since week nine. And that was his first game in Arizona. So you have Hassan Reddick and uh, Marcus Golden ready to uh, come off the edge against uh, an Eagles offensive line. That just uh, is not good. So uh, Jalen Hurts might have a, a little more, um, you know, a panic to him uh, maybe. And I think that could potentially uh, swing this game and how he handles that. Um, so uh, I think, Unless you guys have have another game, we want to do. We want to hit on Brown Giants. I really don't like like, (laughs) Daniel Jones. Probably probably isn't going to play, so it's going to be Colt McCoy. Um, That's just. I mean, the the the, maybe we can talk about the Browns offense. It's it's clicking now. I think Kevin Stefanski kind of really knows. what works for this offense, what works for Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I think we kind of see like a confident Baker Mayfield of like understanding what he's supposed to be doing um, is, is a, has been a really good quarterback. And I, I think kind of in the beginning of the season, uh, I think a lot of people kind of wrote it off to like pressure, but even when he wasn't pressured, there were still times where he just like, he wasn't sure what the offense was supposed to be doing. But I think right now at this point in the season, we're, you know, about to be 15 weeks in I think both Stefanski and Baker kind of know what this offense should be doing and I think we've really seen that click uh, over the past couple weeks so they've been able to to move the ball down the field whether you know it has been off play action still has been some of those bootlegs Uh, but I think they've still realized uh, the personnel that works the best the the, the kind of plays that work the best and I think both of them are just are, are clicking on you know the best possible way they can right now. Yeah, it's amazing what coaching can do. Um, you know, we all screamed, um, you know, myself and Warren, everyone who was paying attention last year, like you're not using Baker the right way, more 12 personnel, more play action. I mean, he was, Freddie Kitchens literally just, okay, we're going to spread out the field five wide and, you know, good luck. And he's just, it's not what he does well. Um, and I thought he was, he was great last 
last week. He made some really big throws against, I mean, look at the receivers he's working with. I mean, Landry doesn't, you know, professional receiver, but is not, not big in separation. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a raw rookie, six-round pick, um, and, and Rashard Higgins. I mean, you even have Austin Hooper out there. So um, he, he got it to the right spots. I mean, he's fourth in the NFL, and when you look at um, EPA per dropback plus um, uh, completion percentage over expectation, I mean, he's been he's been awesome, and that includes three really really tough games in, in, with the weather conditions. Uh, he showed me a lot. I mean, I thought when they're down fourteen, you know, in the third quarter, that the game was essentially over, and he brought them back, um, which he hasn't really done in his career. So he's shown a lot, and Stefanski's doing a great job, kind of you know, as great as their run offense is, I mean, he's starting these games, throwing the ball, he's throwing the win and he's using the run game, you know, once they get a lead. And so the last two weeks against Tennessee uh, and Baltimore, they've scored on their opening drives, you know, just throwing the ball mainly um, a lot of play action, a lot of bootleg. It's just been awesome. I think he's done a great job. And so I've been really impressed with this, with this offense in general. Um, so it'll be, it'll go, be a good matchup against the Giants defense, which has been feisty. Um, to say the least, they haven't faced a lot of great offenses in, in general, but you know, they did, they did obviously go into Seattle and, and slow them down. Um, so, I mean, the Browns can run the ball on them. Um, you know, it's not like well, anyone, <laughs> what's that? I mean, they can run the ball on anyone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the giants are 26 in the NFL in explosive runs allowed. The Browns are number one on offense. So, you know, they've had allowed some, some big, big uh, runs on them. You know, it's just a matter of can this Browns defense, as bad as Colt McCoy is, I mean, this Browns defense doesn't stop anybody. I mean, they let Mike Glennon score, what, 26 points. So, you know, they can let anybody score. Yeah, that'll be their undoing in the end. Is oh, yeah. the their safeties are terrible. Yeah. It's such a, so bad. <laughs> their safeties are awful. Their, the, their secondary is really bad without Denzel Ward, who might play in this game. So that would be a big it looks like It looks like uh, he is. I think they one of the coaches uh, just said they're expecting him back. So, I mean, not that the Giants even have a wide receiver that right. uh, is worth Denzel Ward covering. But um... <laughs> <laughs> well, it does help. I mean, right. so look yeah, for a lot absolutely. of Evan Ingram. Look for a lot of Evan Ingram against these safeties. Um, you know, I don't know what McCoy's done. I haven't looked at the uh, kind of the target rate with McCoy, but I mean, he should be the main focus of this offense. Um, I'm not sure if, if, if Freddie will do that, but that's really the, the main focus is him and Wayne Gallman running the ball because the Browns are 31st uh, in success rate or, uh, defending the run. So, you know, I think this is going to be a grinded out game. I, I tweeted out that the Browns are now an over team, like eight of their 10 non kind of hurricane win games have gone over. Um, but the Giants just – they every game is just ugly with that team. So I, I don't know if the Browns are going to be able to, to be – you know, this isn't going to be a shootout. So um, look for a, a grinded-out game. I think the line's a little high, no matter what you think of Colt McCoy. He just doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He's not going to turn it over. So he's not going to screw – you know, kind of screw up. Um, he's not going to make big plays either. So I think this is kind of looking towards like a – 20 to 16 type of ball game to me um you know, kind of ugly a lot of running the ball and um kind of grind it out but i think the browns at the end and and i should not you know forget that andrew thomas over on the left side against miles garrett is just a complete mismatch he should get worked on that side of the field so um you know look for a lot of miles garrett here as well yeah last week it, you know it, it put a, a, a lot more stock i think into you know, Baker a little bit, you know, I, I still don't fully believe that until they, until they actually face like a really good defense, but at least that was at least a functional defense. And, you know, we talk about just how far the Ravens defense has slipped, you know, the past, you know, several weeks and you contribute that to COVID and, you know, some of these guys just aren't playing up to par either up to where they are. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, Clayus Campbell, just, I don't, I mean, they're, he's not really giving a lot right now. Uh, and he had, he's a guy that had COVID. I mean, to me, my takeaway from that game, cause we know what the Browns are, we know what they want to do. And, you know, we know what they need to do to be successful. My takeaway from that game on Monday though, was just that I don't think this Ravens defense is going to bounce back. I just don't know. Like, you know, and they have three really light games to close out the season, but when they face these teams that can, that can counter punch. And if they're letting a team like the Browns counter punch, I mean, I, I just don't know if this Ravens defense is going to get it back at this point in the season, you know, uh, into the playoffs for them to make a significant run. I know they're a hot ticket bet uh, with their Super Bowl odds, but uh, if that defense is going to perform the way it's performed, because the Cowboys moved the ball down the field on them repeatedly too the week prior, and they've had a bunch of short weeks and some things, maybe just all the minutiae is getting factored in. 
But that Ravens defense was not it last week. And if that's going to be the way they're going to play in the playoffs, they're not going to have a shot. I mean, they can't, they can't expect Lamar Jackson to come in on fourth and five and, you know, make a, make a play where two guys run to each other. Uh, that was my main takeaway. Cause we know what the Browns are, but uh, that Ravens defense is very concerning. I think moving forward into the postseason. So what Rich is trying to say, I'm going to decipher it for you guys. Rich is trying to tell everybody to start Gardner Minshew in uh, DraftKings <laughs> as, as a contrarian play. Listen, uh, what's going to happen with Gardner Minshew? It doesn't matter what he does at any point in the game. He's going to find his way to be like a QB 11 to QB 13 because it's just what he does. It's going to be, it won't be pretty at all, but he's going to find his way to get somehow to like 16 to 18 fantasy points. Can, we get, Minshew does. can this be a DJ Chark week finally? He's, he's like literally I've, I've number chased, one in the – He's like I've number one so in many. The, <laughs> Number one, the air yards model for like seven straight weeks, right? Like he's just the 10 targets, two catches. And we call them prairie yards now. DJ Sharks are prairie yards. They're not air yards. I was looking it up. So with, with <laughs> Luton and Glennon, um, 39% success rate when they've thrown to him. Four of 16 deep balls have actually been deemed catchable. Um, and with Minshew, 50% success rate and four of 10 deep balls have been catchable. So at least you've got that on your side as he's much better with, with Minshew than he has with Luton Glennon. And, you know, maybe, you know, the problem with the Ravens is I think the injuries and just these guys coming off COVID sounds like Baltimore got a really bad case of bad strain of it. So Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams kind of struggled against Dallas and Campbell was struggling against the Browns. And then you lose, you know, Jimmy Smith didn't play against Dallas and he, he got hurt during the game. Uh, Everett didn't play. I mean, they like, they're down a lot of guys. So I think combination of injuries plus the COVID. I mean, if they're fully healthy, it might be a different story. Like you said, you're right. I mean, I, to allow the Browns and to, to come back, the Browns are built to take, you know, take the lead and, and sit on it, not come back. So that, uh, you know, they were thrown at will in the fourth. When they quarter. scored at 40 seconds after Lamar throws that touchdown. What did you think? Like he, you're like, Oh, well there's no, and they scored 40 seconds. And I will credit Marlon Humphrey. He was really smart to just let Kareem hunt. He, he did. He was like, he put no effort into that play. Yeah. And they were really smart to get the ball back. Cause if, you know, Kareem hunt goes down at the one that's different. You know, right. that, that game is totally different, but the Browns went down there and what four plays like not no resistance, just no resistance at all at that's that actually, point. And sometimes the game, like games like that, you can almost one off them and say like, it's just, they're crazy. It happens. But when you pair everything up that's happened to the Ravens, the injuries, the COVID, um, do, will they ever be healthy? Like you said, like, will it ever be a point where they're firing on all cylinders defensively? Like they were in the beginning of the year. I think that's a huge question mark. I feel like it's an assumption that is going to happen uh, where I feel like it's, it should be more of a question than just assumed it will, it will happen in the postseason. The good news is they play Jacksonville, the Giants. They're going to win out. I yeah, think. So they're going to win out. Even so <laughs> they just need to get healthy. I mean, look, if you have a healthy defense, you know, do you want to play them if you're Kansas city or, you know, or Buffalo, you don't. So that's the team you don't want to run into, but um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely not the perfect team, but um, you know, they're, they still have the pieces and the pedigree <laughs> to scare teams in the playoffs. Um, so that, that, I mean, Baltimore at, at Buffalo would just be, you talk about a great, I don't know if that's even possible for round one, but that would be just an awesome um, potential first round matchup. And I'm not even sure. I swear, I'm not even sure Buffalo would be favored, to be honest. I think that would be a pick'em line. It would be close to it. Um, you know, people would be surprised to hear that, but I'm not sure Buffalo would even be favored uh, if the if you know Baltimore went in there week uh, in in a, in a first round matchup. So um, it, it's fun. It's going to be fun to have the. I want them in the playoffs. Like to honest, like Miami is a great story. Mm-hmm. They don't. I don't want them anywhere near the playoffs. Like give me give me Baltimore all day. Um, you know, having a shot at, at winning a first or, you know, second round matchup against these teams that, you know, way more exciting and just a better, better overall product than whatever Miami's going to put out there, I think. Yeah, so I think what we can all agree on uh, for uh, this week's game is uh, a very big Baltimore lead, so we can get a Tyler Huntley fourth quarter, and I think oh, that's just you know what what we all want. It's one step closer, yeah. Dan. The only person in America tweeting about Tyler Huntley more. There's nobody. Is me? No, no. It's it's <laughs> just. It's just me. Um, so on that note, I think we can uh, end this show here. Um, so um, do, 
again, uh, you can uh, follow all work on Sharp Football Analysis. We will have, uh, like I said uh, up top, uh, college football bowls and uh, and playoff uh, packages uh, will be available on the website starting next week. Uh, you can follow uh, Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can read his uh, worksheet and all the other fantasy content that is up uh, at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, right now, you can follow TA on Twitter at CleveTA. You can find his uh, betting preview uh, coming up shortly. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. I'd like to thank you uh, for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. 